What's up, my self-improvement star? It is Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. It is time for a self-improvement sit-down. Instead of taking two minutes to share a quick hitter personal development approach, insight, exercise, reflection, or perspective, in self-improvement sit-downs, I chat with leaders in their field to understand their life philosophies in greater depth to really tap into their expertise. If you're new to the podcast and need more personal development in your life, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast so that you can take action in growing alongside me and other members of our community every single day. I'll have another quick tip for you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But as for today, let's sink into this incredible conversation. This is self-improvement sit down number 57 with Carrie Phipps. And we are live. Today's guest is Carrie Phipps. Carrie is a speaker, leadership coach, and the author of a book that just released earlier this week called How to Talk to Strangers. Carrie, it is great to chat with you today. Oh, it's so lovely. Thank you for connecting. I think it was on LinkedIn. Thanks for sending that message. Technology. It's fantastic. That's where we can get started too, you know, because I only sure. recently learned about your work. And once I did, then I like sprinted to have this conversation with you because it's so timely, right? You know, in 2021, we're in this technological age. We're all having a difficult time leaving the pandemic, trying to figure out how we're going to interact with other people. And you've got some thoughts on it. So I figured that, you know, I'd go directly to the source to understand, you know, how we can kind of reintegrate into society, so to speak. So I'd love for you to start first by talking about why this topic of building relationships and reconnecting and kind of even, you know, meeting people that you may not be familiar with. Why is that urgent and important today in 2021? Wow. So many reasons why it's urgent and important. I think everyone's so aware of how we are so connected across the world. You know, someone sneezes and impacts so many people and somebody puts up a post that shares hope and encouragement and it just goes everywhere because people go, oh, I need to hang on to that. Uh, you know, whether it's something, you know, words, words are so powerful. And when we use words to encourage, I think that has a far more lasting impact than we realise. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about it, you might have, a teacher at school or a friend's parent who just said something in passing years ago and it stuck with you and maybe maybe gave you confidence or boldness to step forward into an idea or a new relationship or career path. There are so many moments that when we think about it, we go, that was really important. That was significant. It was something mm -hmm. somebody said or it's a, a line I read in a book that jumped out at me. So I just feel that we all are more in need of hope and encouragement and truth that we, yeah, we need to pay attention to how are we communicating and how can we do better? When you talk about how to talk to strangers, there's like the, the actionable part of it, right? It's, it's a, it's a how to, it's a instruction, right? And so there's this process around it that like, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And I love that point you already made about the almost evergreen nature of the things that you say that it ripples and continues on. And I think that's just kind of a universal law that applies to so many different things, but just to, to quickly share a story, actually earlier today, I had a conversation with one of my good friends and uh, she had this crazy spiritual experience that actually landed her in a psych ward, like just a very odd kind of thing to happen to her. And she started realizing, wow, there are these different scripts and these stories and these 
these impressions that I generated from such a young age that have just projected in various ways in my life. And it was such a small and insignificant thing that now has such a deep hold of her as an adult when it happened to her as a child. Right. And it made me wonder what kind of things, you know, have rippled or kind of grown and amassed over time that, you know, I may have rejected or experienced. So you're right. Those, those small things really do grow. Yes. And, you know, when you said, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to connect with people. My first thought was like, there are so many ways and and people want a how to, because they just want to follow like a simple step process. Mm -hmm. But then as you start sharing that, I, I was like, yes, there is, a right way and a wrong way. Are we connecting from a place of fear or love? Mm. Because if we are coming from fear, we're not, we're not going to connect. That's where the moments of disconnect happen. That's where we misunderstand and judge people. But if we are coming from a place of love, generosity, respect, openness, all kinds of beautiful things happen. So we can be more specific with how-tos for different situations, mm-hmm. but it is in essence, can we you know, come from that place of love? So you, you bring up something that I've actually um, been really curious about that I'd love to hear your perspective on. So you're right. There, like, there are two great motivators in life. It's fear and love, like those two specific mm. um, emotions or characteristics. And this is something that Jim Carrey actually said in a, an inauguration speech. You know, he said that everyone is motivated by either fear or love. And that was the first time I heard it. And I'm curious to know yes. where you learned of that and kind of what that represents and what's the background behind that theory? Because it's something that um, it's something I've heard before and I want to learn more about. So I'm curious if you have uh, a background on that. Okay. So I have two responses. The first is, okay, most recently, Shazad Shamin, the founder of Positive Intelligence. So it's something that he shares. So this is what shows up in the neuroscience. But then as I think a bit more deeply about that, I remember from my childhood growing up, you know, with the Bible and learning that perfect love casts out fear. And I remember this conversation I had with a Muslim leader in Malaysia one day, and he was talking about the fear in the world because there had just been a a terrorist attack. It was probably about 2016 and there's so much uncertainty and unsettledness in the world. And he was talking about fear and he quoted something from the Quran and you know, the next morning we met up for breakfast and I, I said that I was thinking about him overnight and I, this, this verse came to mind. And, you know, I don't usually just share Bible verses, but, you know, when they pop up, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just mentioned this, you know, that I remember learning about how perfect love casts out fear. And he just went, that is so true. And so I think it's, it's just written into our world. You know, when we start thinking about it, we see it. But then neuroscientists will go, yeah, we can see that this is, this is a fear response in the brain. This is what it looks like. And, uh, and this is what happens if you're, you know, focused on something from a perspective of love or if you're even meditation studies where people of like different religions, if they are meditating on a, you know, a God or a being that is, uh, there's a fear kind of relationship there, uh, then they can see that activity. But if they are focused on love, if they are feeling, you know, loved and accepted by you know, the divine or the universe or whatever they would call it, then it's a very different response in the brain. So it's, it's just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's baked <laughs> in. And I don't think original ideas are true anymore. You know, everyone is kind of learning from someone else and there are these, you know, whether it be religious scripts and old philosophers or whatever the source might be, you know, these thoughts and ideas aren't new. They've been around for forever. We're yeah. just applying them in yep. new contexts, you know, and I, I guess that must be the case with love and fear. You know, it's, 
it's something that just is yeah. true and has lasted the test of time with humanity and the different experiences we've encountered. So I, yeah. I don't know. I, I was just super curious about that because you mentioned those two buzzwords. I'm like, man, those are fascinating words, but really yes. Cool. Yeah. And I like that you said it's baked in. I'm like, yes, that's the essence of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's just baked into the, the cool. world. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, let's get back to the the sweet spot here, which is how to talk to strangers. And I think there's a, a, a necessary elaboration here, which is really strangers, you know, how to talk to strangers, because you think of, you know, kind of childhood conditioning and stranger danger. And you think of, you know, like investing in people who've invested in you. And it's just a very kind of, I don't know, there's a lot of different um, theories and thoughts that go out when people are thinking about strangers. So I'm, I'm curious to know what you've learned to be true about strangers and when you encounter strangers, what opportunities there are, what fears are actually warranted. Like, you know, what, what do you, what do you think about strangers? Yeah. Strangers are people, you know, like I could be having a conversation with you and let's say, you know, 10 years down the track, we're great friends. We have sat on the lounge together many times or at dinner tables and had lots of conversations, but you could still misunderstand me. And there's this look on your face that is just like a stranger. And I just think, <gasps> What did, I, what did I say or what did I do? Um, so it doesn't actually matter if we have never met before or we do know each other. It can just be a glance that says I'm open, like I'm ready to connect or something has just shut me down. So I use the word strangers because people have that, you know, fear. Mm. And, you know, my first book on this subject being Do Talk to Strangers, <laughs> it was a challenge to that assumption that, that a stranger is somebody to be avoided because other people will see the word stranger and just think, oh, adventure, uh, opportunity. Um, it's, it's an amazing opportunity to connect with a stranger. So it's just one of those words that have a different response in different people. Sure. You're right. No, yeah. there's a, there's a visceral element to it, right? It's just like, cause we've been conditioned and, and it's a learned behavior where it's like, oh, you need to avoid, you need to be careful. You need to protect yourself. And and you're right They're you know, strangers are just people. I, I think someone said a stranger is just a friend I haven't made yet, you know? And it's like, if you see the yeah. world that way, then you, there's a lot to, you know, to, to be discovered. And I think that's, uh, I think that's really something to look forward to. Um, but now, you know, with yeah. that kind of context, right. You know, that people are going to kind of have that negative reaction when they encounter a stranger, they hear about a stranger, you know, just kind of a stranger enters their life you know, it, it may be more difficult to act through that fear, right. Or act through that more innate response that's been trained. So I'm curious to know, you know, if you, if you encounter a stranger and maybe this goes back to your first book a little bit more, do talk to strangers. What is that first step? You know, like how does someone, like, what would you recommend someone does in order to actually engage with a stranger in an appropriate way? I think the first physical shift is eye contact and a smile. But before that, it's about self-awareness and awareness of others. Hmm. So I might be sitting on a train and somebody gets on, I look up from the book that I'm reading. So I'm giving them an opportunity to say, you know, welcome to my space. I like, I wouldn't use those words, but <laughs> just like, mm -hmm. good morning. <laughs> and, I, and I'm proactive in those kind of situations because it can help put the other person at ease. Mm -hmm. Because if I am not looking at them, I'm effectively shutting them out, then they don't feel welcome. They feel a little bit on edge. And so it's just a gift that we can give each other by just acknowledging, like, we're not really strangers. We are people sharing a space, whether it's just momentary or it's, you know, if we're going to be there for a while. And, you know, you find in doctor surgeries or hospital waiting rooms, 
people might be overcome with all the stuff they're going through. But then when somebody sits down next to them or across from them and just says, hi, it's like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. we're not alone here. You know, somebody else is going through something too. And uh, there might not be words exchanged, but just knowing just that eye contact can say, I see you. Mm-hmm. And that can be really meaningful. And sometimes that's all it needs. And I like just letting things happen organically. I think sometimes people can be, you know, racing to make the next connection, to make the next sale, and they're missing this beautiful space of anything lovely could happen because they're trying to force something to happen. Mm-hmm. But just being, so just being with yourself, <laughs> being comfortable within yourself. And so that can take a little work and self-awareness and, and then just being with other people can be such a gift. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think you don't necessarily see the circumstance around you as the possibilities of the universe. You know, I, I'm seeing this from a very spiritual lens, which is, yeah. you know, you can manifest the things that you need and those relationships or those connections or those resources could be around you and they're placed there, you know, by the universe for you to discover yes. if only you would open your eyes and access that, right? I, I meditate about the possibilities in the world and being aware of the possibilities that I have access to knowing that they're there. It's just my own awareness. That is the issue. So it's like almost the strangers are planted there as part of your path. And it's up to you to discover what that reason is because everything has a reason, you know, there's, there's some faith to be found in some of that. That's really cool. Yes. And I love that because when you're open to connect, then whether something goes well or not, like if somebody might just shut you out, you know, it's like basically put their hand up, like talk to the hand mm-hmm. and just think, Oh, um, that's okay. Because it's a great learning opportunity because you, you might need to learn that it, it's not all about you. Maybe they've got other stuff going on and uh, you know, am I easily offended? We, we can just learn so many things and, Oh, maybe I was a bit disruptive in their thinking space. Uh, or it could just be that a beautiful thing unfolds, but regardless of the encounter, there can be beautiful learning you know how Mm -hmm. do I connect with others and you know I wrote do talk to strangers in 2014 and I still pick it up sometimes or somebody will quote something from it and I think oh that's good thank you Kerry of 2014 (laughs) I needed to be reminded of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we are connecting in different situations every single day Mm -hmm. yeah no it's I mean it's funny how um things take a life of their own, right? If you say it in one kind of environment and then it means something completely different uh, in another environment, it just goes to show that, again, these uh, these ancient scriptures, you know, and these old ideas, yeah. you know, even within our own lifetime after a matter of years, they they take a new kind of meaning if you just give them the chance to. While, while we're on yeah. the subject, yeah. um, you know, there's a the subtitle for your first book is how to connect with anyone anywhere, right? So there is this idea of there's no limits to this, you know, there's no limits, you know, people can be approached in a variety of ways, but I think what's important and probably the, the biggest issue people have with just walking up and striking up conversation to a stranger is that, you know, maybe it's not going to be well-received and that's very contextual. So you described kind of body language and giving the opportunity, but you know, if you're kind of analyzing, you know, when a stranger is more approachable, when the environment is more approachable, you know, what are some of the things that, you know, we could just be on the lookout for to know, hey, this is someone that I could, you know, walk up to and, and kind of strike a conversation with? Yeah, again, I have to come back to self-awareness because we need to be aware of the energy that we're taking into a space. And is there an agenda? Because if we can be really honest, then people just 
they sense that openness. So, you know, I might see you in a park and you might be like deep in thought in a book. And I think, oh, I don't want to interrupt him, but I'd really love to know about that book. Or he just looks like somebody I could talk to. Then I would need to say, excuse me, this might be weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This might be a bit awkward, but I just was so drawn to, to you and your book. And can I ask you about that? I've been using this hashtag for a few years every now and then, hashtag be okay with awkward because (laughs) we avoid it like the plague. We don't want to feel awkward, but when we do, when we can just embrace it and and laugh it off, then that can be a powerful connector because I could be super articulate and then you would think, oh, this like she's polished this. And so we wonder what's behind it. But if I can just stumble forward and say, hi, I'm a human being too, I mean, not literally say that, but that's that's what you're conveying. Mm-hmm. Like here we are sharing this space, and and let's see what happens, whether it's awkward or not. But yeah, often that awkward space that we are terrified of, it's tiny. Once we step over it, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, no, I want to explore that because you're right. I think that is the fear, right? It's you reach out to a stranger, you kind of put yourself in a vulnerable space and it's not received. It's like, oh man, now I look stupid or this or that. And I feel like we over-index the fear response yes. where it's, it's just not congruent with what actually happened. It's oh, okay, cool. There's one person that I may have, you know, taken a few seconds out of their day and move on. Right. So it's, there is this, you're right, this almost kind of disproportionate fear of awkwardness so i'm curious you know yeah. if we were to kind of dig one layer deeper into awkwardness what do you think motivates that feeling like why 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 are we so averse to being awkward on kind of a psychosocial level like what what do you think it is about it well i think it's that we compare ourselves to others you know i can look at you and think oh he's so articulate he just looks great he says things so beautifully you're too kind and <laughs> so then- <laughs> So then, see, this is my experience of you. But if I compare that to the chaos in my head of like, I've got so many stories all at once and and do I share this or this? And everybody has that busyness. Like we cannot speak at the rate that we think. So we've all got a whole lot of words in our head that we're just shredding. Like we're just leaving that on the floor as we speak. So if I'm comparing all that chaos in my head with many, many words, with the few words that you say so beautifully, then that's an unfair comparison. You know, and I'm going to judge myself really harshly. So that's the really key point that we need to pay attention to. Am I judging myself harshly because I'm comparing myself to others? And, you know, I'm afraid of being awkward because they'll see my humanness because somehow I'm not seeing them as a human as well. I'm seeing them as somebody I've put on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. But we're all humans. We all have awkward moments from time to time. And if we can laugh about that, then we can just move forward so much more readily. Yeah. No, super interesting. You're right. It's, it all comes down to judgment. It all comes down to that inner critic and self-criticism around, oh man, like how am I being perceived in this situation when the reality is no one cares. Like they're think they're too busy thinking about themselves right. that they don't even notice what you're doing exactly. or you being awkward. And I don't know, it's, yeah. I, I have an issue with this, which is kind of struggling to meet my own expectations, assuming other people have the same expectations. And exactly. it's like, and people have so much grace for others. I think we just underestimate yeah. human nature to that extent a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, and I, we don't realize that others are judging themselves like we judge ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, somebody stopped me in my tracks about 17 years ago. I was a new coach and I was actually assisting on a, the, the next new coaches program. And I was apologizing to the trainer for not assisting her very well in a moment. I 
was demonstrating a conversation with her of being succinct and specific and generous. So generous being sharing something of myself, but not verbose. But I, I was a little bit wordy. And so then I sat down. She just said, thank you, Kerry, very graciously. And she continued on with the training. But I spent the next 20 minutes up to the break beating myself up, thinking, oh, I should have said this. That wasn't succinct. I should have said this and this. <laughs> and so in the break, I apologized. And she just said, so what was the conversation in your head then? And that's when I realized, oh, I have no awareness of the next 20 minutes of class because I was thinking about how badly I did. Mm-hmm. She'd moved on, the class had moved on. And so that question stuck with me um, forever since then. <laughs> and I'm asking myself and I'm asking others, you know, what's the conversation in your head? Because if we can be aware of that, if we can walk into a room and notice, oh, I feel nervous. What's going on here? Oh, I'm assuming that everybody else is more experienced than me, more eloquent than me, more articulate and all of the things. <laughs> I need to let that go. It's mm-hmm. not about me. What if I come in here with curiosity? What if I come in with compassion and empathy for people who maybe feel awkward about coming into an event like this? Maybe I can go and look for people to welcome and help put people at ease. Then I've completely forgotten about how nervous I might have been. That's a really clever way of thinking about it. I, I haven't kind of considered that where this kind of awkward self-judgment, you know, it's it's really born from the own criticism that you're experiencing. Whereas if you were just to observe that this thing is happening and not put that negative or positive charge on it, just literally observe it and say, oh, this is how yes. things are. Then that's how that's that's what other people are doing. That's how it's being received. But you just, for whatever reason, as a psychoanalyzer of yourself, you just put a, a certain lens on it because there's some script in your head or some, you know, insecurity you're trying to compensate for. Um, so there, no, that's totally there. And and the topic that, um, you know, it's actually featured in the subtitle of your book. You know, in the subtitle, just to read it, is to decrease anxiety, build confidence, and make a bigger difference in the world. Uh, that middle one, confidence, right? Confidence is yes. exactly you know what's required in order for you to overcome the idea of putting yourself in a place where you're going to be exposed to judgment, you know? So I'd love to jump into that topic because it's something that I think everyone can relate to. Um, you know, what, what is your kind of definition of confidence and how does confidence weave into these interactions we have with people, whether we know them or we don't and they're strangers. Wow. I love the way you ask questions, Brian, because <laughs> I have new insights. You know, you think that a question like that, you know, how do I define confidence? I would be able to answer that with something I've said before. But what just came to me as you said it is it's being free. You're you're feeling free to be yourself, to be who you are, just step out into the world and, and express yourself. And I was thinking about how we, you know, we build confidence in ourselves and in others by the conversations that we have, by that self awareness and awareness of others. And, you know, we can't rely on other people to build our confidence, but we can pay attention when they say things like, you know, I've complimented you for being articulate before. You can, you know, brush that off and lots of Aussies do that. You know, the Australian way of taking a compliment is just going, oh, that's nothing. But if we say, oh, thank you, and we realise they've noticed something about ourselves that maybe we haven't acknowledged ourselves for. Mm. And I think like I've really struggled with confidence since, uh, well, since being a child and, and being very bullied at school. And, and, you know, even the first few years of my marriage, which is now 
27 years old. Um, my husband didn't see me without makeup, you know, because I was so convinced that I was ugly, you know, wow. but <laughs> he would, I'd wake up in the morning and he's like right in front of my face looking at me and just saying, oh, you're so beautiful. And I'm thinking, what? Like, how can he possibly say that? But he seems really genuine, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so we, we carry all these voices, you know, from the past and things that strip our confidence and, we need to start paying attention when somebody just maybe they compliment you, but maybe they just comment and say, Oh, but you're great at, you know, being, being really organized or I wish I was organized like you to just go, Oh, they see me like that. Maybe I'm being a bit hard on myself. Mm. You know, we need to learn from compliments rather than just go, Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks. Or like, there's nothing, yeah. <laughs> but just, Hmm. Where's, where's the insight there? That's right. been a really powerful learning for me, particularly over the last 17 years. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I love that, right? Because that's, that's all you can kind of ask for is how can you show up in situations and, um, you know, and, and be yourself, right? And, and create in the ways that you want to and act and behave in the ways that you feel most called to. You know, I think there's yeah. a lot of just liberation in that. There's a lot of autonomy in that. You know, there's, there's agency in living a life where it's, you're not living by the expectations of others yet. It's so hard for us to embrace that because we're socially learning creatures. Like we have fallen down, gotten back up, fallen, gotten back up. And it's a matter of the people around us who have helped us to realize our relationship with the world, you know, and you're even commenting on when people compliment you, you know, like that's, that's something that it's, it's so unnatural for us to receive compliments. And then, you know, further to actually take that as a learning that we integrate into our own psyche because we have this negativity bias. So if it's not negative, then our brain doesn't flag it. Right. It just, so like having, having this deliberate practice around the idea of, you know, there is more to what's going on. There's more to what I'm experiencing than what's in my head. You know, there are other people that are receiving these, these data points, you know, in a little bit of a nuanced way from, from myself. Yeah. And I think it's seeing, people at their best and and asking what do I look like when I'm at my best you know because again not to compare but how do I best serve the world or how what is it that I bring to the world that that makes a difference and you know our our mutual friend Paul Dunn says the same thing you know like I'm at my best when I'm serving others Mm -hmm. and that again is that freedom that confidence to just be who you are that's what has like such an astounding ripple effect not the polished package that we create that we want the world to see because mm-hmm. they have that little flag in their head that says something's like not there's something behind the scenes I can't tell what it is right yeah, yeah. no you're mentioning service and you said something earlier and I wanted to stop you but you were already on a roll so we can talk about it now but <laughs> but you you mentioned generosity and the idea of generosity you think of generosity as like oh let me give you what I have, you know, my money, my things, my whatever, kind of like very transactional in nature, but you were relating with generosity in a different way. And I think it's kind of the broader definition of service, right? There's kind of, I talk about um, at For Purpose, my social impact platform, there are kind of traditional ways to be of service, which is your money and your time and your resources. And then there's the non-traditional, the more modern ways of being of service, which is the decisions you're making, the way you're showing up, how you're advocating for things, the ways that you're touching people in the way that you're just living, you know, it's not necessarily transacting, it's just existing. And, um, and and yeah, there was, there was more to uncover with kind of your theory on generosity that it kind of has a few different 
angles and branches to it. And I'd love to just kind of ask you and give you the, give you the floor, you know, kind of what, you know, what do you believe to be true about generosity and how does generosity interface in your world? <laughs> well, what, what comes to me is I think the most generous thing that we can do right now is give people our attention. And I, I guess this has been a theme for quite some time, probably since I started coach training in 2004. And I realized how much we can jump ahead in the conversation. We can think we know where someone's going to go with something or, you know, we have all these hotspots, filters, judgments, gets in the way. But if I'm to fully give my attention to you, then this is where the magic happens. And maybe it's just giving someone my full attention for a moment in the supermarket and just seeing, wow, they've got little kids, they've got stuff going on. Do you want to just go ahead of me in the line? Mm. It's just a moment and you might never see that person again, but they have just been given a gift. And, and we feel it ourselves too. You know, there's no true altruism. The, the, the scientists have looked into this and it's like, we know we get a buzz from helping others. And often we are not thinking, I'm going to feel good when I've helped this person. We just do, mm-hmm. which is great because it keeps us all alive. Um, but but we, we do get that innate um, feedback from our generosity. But I think it's about generosity of spirit. So it shows up in so many different ways. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's generosity is just fascinating. Um, My brother has two kids, so I have two little nephews. And I remember when he was preparing for his first, my mom went to grandma school. And and one of the things (laughs) that she learned was hey, when there's a crying baby, it's not your job to run over and pick up the baby. It's your job to go fold the laundry that has been on the couch for way too long or whatever it might be. And we are kind of what you're saying remind me of that because generosity has a selflessness to it where it's like, it's not necessarily about what I want to do for you. It's about what you need, right? It's about the awareness of it. And, And again, kind of being observant of that context, you know, what role do you play? And sure, it's not the glamorous job to you know, fold the laundry and to do the dishes and to do kind of the extra house cleaning, but that's what's needed in that scenario. The kid needs their parents and the grandma needs to be the extra hands, you know? So I think that, you know, as you're talking about generosity, like it's just inherently generous for you to go and serve others selflessly knowing like, Hey, I may not get credit for this. I may not feel like my time is as valued as I want to, or I may not feel as affirmed and validated in my behaviors yet. This is what I choose to do because it's best for all, you know? And I think you're right. There's this undertone of generosity being just this kind of best for all. And, and, you know, again, you're right, which is it often comes back to you because you do get that hit from service where it's like, okay, cool. This is something I enjoyed. This has enriched my life, you know, and there's a larger, there's a larger representation of what's happening than just the singular act. Yes. And, you know, I can hear some of our listeners already having some little red flags, like, but hang on, we can't just all be about, you know, generosity and giving to everybody else and, you know, for everybody else. Why not? Because maybe the most, maybe the most generous thing that we can do is just go have a nap because Mm. then we can show up more generously, but we need to be generous to ourselves also, because if you start finding like, I am struggling with being generous to people, maybe you need to take some time for you or, and maybe it's not, you know, go have a spa day. Maybe it's actually time to journal, to take time to see what's going on so that you can realize if like, A, I just need a rest or mm-hmm. B, I, I need to let go of, do I look impressive? You know, like, yeah. Let go of that thing. Now I can get on with serving generously. But uh, yeah, for people that are saying like, I know, but I gave myself to people for years and I completely burned out because that is my story uh, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. um, completely burned out in service of others. And 
I, and this is like another whole can of worms, but just <laughs> in, in essence, um, I relate to people who are burning out because they are giving generously. But then we have to ask, is it, you know, pure generosity or is there a whole lot of other things going on? And so mm-hmm. that's where we need to come back to the self-awareness, to, to doing the work yep. within and going, where am I at right now? And is the most generous thing I can do is to take a rest, take a walk, recharge so that I can show up and give without resentment. Because if we are giving and stretching ourselves too far, then we get resentful. We need to pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Um, you know, because there's so much pressure and focus on, you know, I want to help people, you know, that's just, I just want to help people. And the first thing you need to realize is you're a person. So why, like, why is it any different when you choose to make a decision for yourself to help your own well-being that it's no longer being of service or it's no longer considered impact? There's this separation between like, oh, it's got to be other people in order for it to make a difference. And, and I actually had my eyes open to this probably a month and a half or two months ago from a group call with our four purpose community. And someone mentioned that. And I was like, wow, you're right. Like self-care is impact because you're impacting the one person you have the most control over, which is yourself. And I just love that lens of yes. broadening what being generous to yourself means and just being what, what being generous in general means, because it applies in so many different areas that may not be labeled as such. Um, so I'm, yeah, I, I love that you brought that in. Um, and, and to, to wrap this up because, you know, we're, we're getting, you know, <laughs> we're, we're getting to the heart of some really juicy stuff, but what I love doing at the end of the podcast is summarizing or kind of providing one little focus point. And, you know, a lot of what we talked about were the soft skills of how to basically exist around other people, you know, call it how to talk to strangers, you know, the, the layer under that is, you know, how to exist with other people. And I'm, I'm curious to know if yeah. there is one kind of core takeaway or, you know, really piece of resonance that you want listeners to leave with and really integrate into their lives. If, uh, if something comes out to you. Choose to see the best in others, to think well of them, And also to give that to yourself. So think well of yourself rather than judging yourself for all the things that you haven't quite got right or have completely blown to shift that to what am I doing well? What have I accomplished? And just start listing some things. You know, I I really can't go past uh, an opportunity to share a tip without saying get pen and paper. You know, start journaling, writing things down. This is where you can start listing what you want to acknowledge people for, what are the strengths you see in them, what is the little spark that you see that lights up other people around them and then have that conversation with yourself also because we need to be aware of our strengths because our brain does want to pay attention to our weaknesses and the weaknesses of others. So choose to be generous with yourself and others. (laughs) So beautiful. We were, uh, I mean, talking about kind of the strangers, you know, you were a stranger of mine only five days ago and here this incredible conversation has come about. And I just feel like we have so much alignment in the way that we see the world that, you know, this, this is living proof of the way that the existence of others who are strangers can become friends. And I'm just, I'm really grateful for this conversation. You've totally opened my eyes and and brought a really, you know, fulfilling and enriching energy into my life today. So I, I thank you for taking the time, Carrie. This has been really special. Thank you, Brian. I think I'll be thinking about this conversation all day. And I want to acknowledge the way that you connected on LinkedIn because a lot of people are trying to build their network on LinkedIn and you sense the agenda come through. And so I see this message from you saying, you know, oh, a friend of Paul's is a friend of mine. And I was like, 
I feel exactly the same way. <laughs> it, it's a, it was a, you were reaching out in friendship. Thank you for doing that. I'm really delighted that we could connect today. There you have it. That was Carrie Phipps. I really enjoyed that conversation. It was raw and real with a lot of storytelling to generate points of relativity. We talked about how strangers are just people who occupy the same space, and that if you take the time, you can see why life brought you two together. We talked about awkwardness and the root of it being self-judgment, which then led into a conversation about confidence and what it means to be fully self-expressed and free. Then we finished talking about generosity, all of the forms it takes and all of the people it affects, which includes you. As mentioned, Carrie just released her book, How to Talk to Strangers, which is available online by clicking the link in the description of this episode. To learn more about her speaking and programming, visit www.carriephipps.com, and that's spelled K-E-R-R-I-E-P-H-I-P-P-S. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, Know that I'm proud of you for taking the time to prioritize your growth and development. Let's keep at it. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.